0: Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Today on the program, I have the CEO of ReachForce, Mr. Dion Cornett, and he and I met, uh, you know, our first meeting was over breakfast. We went to Katie's Corner here in San Rock and Ramon uh, in the East Bay and got together. And the reason that we got together is we had been using at Demand Gen ReachForce for years. Uh, We have been partnered for years. They're part of our Demand Gen Alliance And Dion came in about a year and a half ago as the new CEO. And so I wanted to catch up with him and hear changes that might be coming to the business and what his plans were and certainly get to know him. So Dion, thank you. It's been a great year and a half uh, getting to know one another and our teams working together. And great to have you on the program. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much for having me, David. That was uh, an enjoyable first breakfast and glad to be here today.
0: I think we both had Eggs Benedict. I know I did, because I, I went there. I can't exactly remember what you had. That's one of my Rayman gifts, is that I can remember what I ate uh, at every meal in my life. It's it's a little freak of nature, but I, I can remember it.
1: Yeah, smarter than me. I can't recall.
0: I, it's useless, useless stuff stored in my head. Um, so as I said, you know, we had been using the platform for years. And the reason that we still, to this day, use ReachForce is that on our forms— we enrich every form submission with additional data, and that was what we looked to you guys for and certainly many of our clients have been looking to you for, and uh, it's been very helpful because we don't have to have as many fields on our forms and we certainly get additional information that we use for profiling and targeting and scoring. But when we got together then, and certainly as we got together recently at some of the shows, you've certainly taken the company in some different directions, and I'd like to get into that today. These are the episodes I call MarTech Mondays, where we profile technology. But maybe before we get to that, I would just like to take a step back and ask you, you know, what's on, what's on Dion's brain these days when you look at the market and you look at what's happening in, in B2B? Can we start there and then shift back to what's happening in, in innovations around the platform?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that's very compelling about this space is that you have this fundamental shift in B2B e commerce. And, and myself, I'm sort of a traditional sales leader. And you think about the traditional buyer's journey where marketing sort of fed the top of the funnel and then there was a, a pretty distinct handoff to sales and then sales took it to close. And that model is absolutely going away, right? That, that dividing line between sales and marketing is squishing together. And in some cases, marketing is driving the entire funnel right there from the initial engagement of the buyer to ushering ushering them through the buying decision process to actually transacting on the web. Um, often, and I think you know companies like Amazon or sort of the poster child for this is completely you know, a marketing sort of web-driven interaction with the prospect to customer. Yeah. And I think that creates a tremendous opportunity for companies to drive higher efficiency and scales th- through their sales process, and, and we're hoping to support that. Uh, your all's use of smart forms um much appreciate it but the, really there's a there's sort of a tactical problem with that right how do i get short forms so i have higher conversion rates but it's really component of a much bigger challenge how do i better understand my customer
0: you know what i like the way you phrase that because that's what the need was that's what the problem i mean yes it helps tactically in the ways that we did it um Earlier this week I was uh, at a conference and they were saying that every presentation these days has a quote from Steve Jobs uh has uh, Scott Brinker's Martech uh landscape or discussion around that 60% of the buyer's journey um happens before they they talk to you. So we have met one of those requirements. We still have to work on a quote from Steve Jobs, but um <laughs> Uh, check. Um, that's funny that that you that you talked about that. Yeah, we're seeing so much transformation happen in marketing these days. Not just from a technology perspective, but the role, right? You know, there's this fluid, much more fluid um, type of interaction that happens with buyers and customers, right? It's not just marketing at the top of the funnel. In fact, I would argue that marketing has the responsibility in many ways of controlling the entire. Uh, customer experience from click to infinity, and we see that every single day in very successful B2C companies where marketing is the chief architect of the customer experience and how to retain and delight customers. And in B2B, we're seeing more of that role and responsibility fall on marketing, where more traditionally it was it was just demand gen, as you as you point out.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely the case. You know, if you – those companies that are still trapped a decade ago with cold calling machines and, you know, inside sales boiler rooms, uh, while not quite dead, I think those business models are in rough shape. I mean, you know, for the folks listening to this podcast, think about when's the last time you purchased something that you were introduced to to a cold call. You know, these multi-touch, multi-channel models that are marketing sort of designed and rolled out into sales are what's proving effective and sales environments today.
0: No, it's it's really, especially for marketers, I mean, it's. I don't think uh, marketing leaders answer their phones very often anymore unless they recognize the number coming in. In fact, more and more people use their, their cell phone as their entry point for conversations and consider their desk phone just the place that, random people call them and, and, um, delete a lot of those messages. It's getting harder to get in the inbox than it ever has been. You know, I remember back in the day when you could run a campaign and do a webinar and and send out an email and have 500 people on your webinar, right? Those, those success rates have certainly changed. And even in, uh, social doing inbound or outreach through, you know, platforms like LinkedIn, uh, if you reach out to someone and look and smell like a salesperson uh, making your pitch, um, you know you're going to get delete or block or no response in the conversation so it's it's certainly more and more challenging you guys have had um, a good year of growth you've you've worked a lot on um, improving client retention and you have done a lot with the platform moving it into a suite I would love for you to talk about that because I don't think a lot of people know the new reach force and what you guys have been doing tech wise and service in there so let's let's hit that
1: yeah. No, thanks for appreciating the, uh, the hard work and investment. You know, I, I came into the company about 15 months ago and came to a company with sort of a solid industry reputation, a fairly unique, and I'd argue best of class product when it comes to a forms product, a uh, very solid product with respect to sort of data cleanse, dedupe and enrichment, but really lacking some of the pieces that marketers are relying on to really understand the prospect. And, and if you're, again, if you're, executing these ABM account selection, multi-touch, multi-channel models, having that understanding requires data. And it, for too long, people just were accepted, hey, I'm going to have gaps and I'm going to have failings in the data, and that's just the way it is. And I'm, I'm happy to say today, it just doesn't have to be that way anymore. There's you know ample big data tools and a proliferating amount of data that's becoming available with respect to a prospect. The challenge is trying to... Aggregate that, to orchestrate that, and make it usable within that sales framework. And so, what we've been focused on last year is we're taking the the big data expertise that we've long had within the company and making that more accessible through ease of use, through proliferation of the data sources that we're connecting into, um, better matching machine learning technologies to understand what pieces are really required by the marketer to fill in those gaps. And at the same time, doing this in a scalable sort of High tech, you know, best architectural ways allow us to push down prices. And so in May of this year, we launched a new offering. It was the first significant major product for the company in a, in a few years, um, labeled Smart Suite. But basically, what it is at its heart is it's a data orchestration platform that connects into dozens of disparate, um, some cases first, mostly third party data sources. And it interrogates your system and then fills in gaps, whether that be through a form fill, through a list upload, through building an audience based on a specific criteria or a specific uh, account-based target list. Um, it's leveraging this same big data technology capability to solve these problems for marketers in a way that's very easy to use, including sort of point-and-click setup and in many cases, like the product you guys are using today, smart forms. Um, I don't recall when you first set that up, it it probably took um, many days, if not maybe a couple of weeks to get that set up. You know, smart forms today is literally a five minute exercise, intuitive point and click interface. And so we think by making these big data orchestration technologies more accessible, easier to use, easier to maintain, that we're going to end up with smarter markers in the industry that gather this insight that they need to successfully market to prospects.
0: Yeah, you know, um, talking about smart forms, so the very first time that I saw, I'm going to call it a technology, because that's all it was, was demand-based probably 10 years ago. And they came over to my office, and they said, hey, Dave, we want to show you something, something we're working on, see what you think. And they showed me this basically way to take the IP address that you're detecting and then bounce it off of their database and return values, right? Sounds familiar. Yep. And so we implemented that because we had never discovered your platform. And um, you know, truth, just candid to everybody, demand gen doesn't pay for marketing technology with our partners. And I think it's one of the things that we've done well is is make sure that there's value um, to our partners and the exposure that their tools have. So we ask um, our partners whenever possible to reduce the impact of the cost on the tech that we use. And so Demandbase was really nice and said, hey, sure, we'll let you try it out. Of course, we'd love your feedback. We'd love for for you to help shape the product. And the very first thing that I said to them was, well, I have to write JavaScript to do this. Like, I don't know about you guys, but hey, Demandbase, most people in marketing organizations don't have JavaScript developers to write the code that's required to take all this and attach it to hidden fields and then map it into the marketing automation system, yada, yada, yada. And they, to the best of my knowledge, have not done what you guys have done. So we moved over to your platform after a couple years because we liked uh, not only that you had – the capability, but we found that you had some better data. And then also you provided a better UI experience, which was as someone started entering the information, it would come up with a pop-up screen and say, hey, which company are you? And I could just quickly say, yeah, I'm Demand Gen," And the rest of the form would get filled out with much greater degree of accuracy. But to your point that still had to be coded. The look and feel, the coloring, the fonts, the style, you still needed to apply that. And so the fact that you guys have, sounds like made that a very intuitive uh, and easy web configurable experience so someone can then just set it up the way they want it to look and experience and then you know bring that and drop it on the site. Bravo. What are some other changes that you guys have been doing on the platform?
1: Hey, Dave, just one more point on ease of use and sort of lay out our aspiration here. We really as the saying goes, want to practice what we preach. So I talked about at the beginning of the call, this sort of shift and we're going to sort of the self-service web centric paradigms. We want our tools to fit, to be examples of that, right? You know, our, our longer term vision is people will discover again, that 60% sort of buyer's journey, come to the ReachForce website, be able to very quickly set themselves up for a self-service trial. You know, hopefully over those 30 days, have a very quick time to value, see sort of the easy interview interface, see the multi-data strategy and the quality of data that produces, um, com- very quickly comprehend the pricing and what it means for their organization, and then sort of self-select in and provide a credit card or some other type of online purchase You know, at the end of that trial. And so our investments are all geared around sort of that, that vision of how easy – marketing tools should be to procure, consume, maintain, and, and drive value in your organization. And so it's not just with smart forms. Um, we have three other components, You're probably smart suite, and there's additional components in the pipeline, but those are list upload. So imagine you go to a trade show, you do a badge scan, you get first name, last name, email company. There's 80 other things that we can tell you about that contact that may be relevant to your ICP, your ideal customer profile or your demand gen strategy, and and providing insights and understanding around that are a big part of our roadmap for 2019. Uh, There's an audience builder feature. Again, we have a, a database that today is comprised of over 400 million records of companies and people. So can we provide, again, easy, intuitive point and click, move sliders, hey, I care about these characteristics to a list of contacts, boom, push a button, a few minutes later, get that list back. We have our our core data refresh technology again direct API integrations not webhooks into Marketo Eloqua HubSpot Salesforce that that smooth API integration allows us to quickly again interrogate clean up dirty data get rid of the Donald ducks get rid of the duplicates help provide consistent casing address email phone validation standardization and fill in again these attributes that may be critical parts of a marketer's go-to-market strategy that are blank in the existing systems. And so by making all these things easy to digest, continuing to push up the quality, again, multiple vendors for the same data points, you know, we're pretty confident this ultimately leads to marketers having simply better insights as to how they treat a prospect. And, and frankly, if you're providing non-relevant content, if you're making inappropriate recommendations or routing a prospect through a mismatched sales process – You just look indifferent as a vendor, and buyers are too smart today. They don't buy from indifferent vendors.
0: No, it's it's smart. Um, I don't know if you're probably not a YouTube watcher like me. I watch a lot of YouTube, and one of the guys I watch online is Casey Neistat, and he, you know, he's he's entertaining. but he also, every once in a while, kind of like me, uh, although he has a 10 million following, a little bigger than my audience, but he'll feature products that he's really into on the program. Some of those are sponsored, some of them are not. And recently, he featured the Boosted Board, which is an electric skateboard. And he said, you know, there's only two things I don't like about the Boosted Board. And then he whispered and said, one is, you know, you got to bring down the price. It's really expensive, because those things are like, you know, a 1000 to 1500 bucks. And one of the things that you guys have done is made the price very approachable and very affordable for marketers to use that. And I like how you put it in the suite together. I was doing some talks, Dion, recently about uh, ABM. I was uh, did a talk on unboxing ABM, and it's how to play the ABM game. And number you know, two in the step, after you've define your targets or your clusters is contact enrichment, right? So you've identified whatever the number is, 50 Mm -hmm. target accounts or 100 or 200 or 1,000, but then you got to go get the contacts at those accounts and enrich them. And I like how you guys are doing that during the list upload process to enrich those records or go source those um, through you guys. How um, How do you decide how much to put in that database? You mentioned 400 million records. I've never asked anybody like, you know why isn't it a billion or 500 million what's the whole process on on building out that data set for you guys
1: we're somewhat constrained by strict policies we have for how we gather data and particularly with new regulations like GDPR or castle that really constrain what you can gather by from people that don't want you necessarily gathering their information we make sure that all our data sources are ethically gathered so i'll give you a sort of an infin, infamous example of a data source we won't use scraping linkedin um we know that you know some people have tried this and some other vendors have even provided this information to their customers that's a sure way to get a cease and desist letter from yeah. Microsoft. And so we're making sure that the data that, that we're sourcing at some point along its way was sort of opt-in data, right? You go to a trade show, that data gets candidly traded six times over, but it ends up in sort of a validated tested file that was original opt-in. Um, the company, the firmographic data, there's actually tremendous number of government sources that that can be gathered from, from ourselves and our partners. And the, the, the database size sort of naturally develops to be what it is. But what we try to do is have multiple data points for any particular metric. So let's look at something like company employee size. Mm-hmm. We uh, will use SEC Edgar information, which covers about 6,000 public companies. We use some large vendors that were not able to disclose their names because of the nature of our OEM relationship, and they want to protect their retail pricing. Sure. Um, we will use uh, some firms to gather inferred data from other sources, so inferred IP can tell you a lot about a company, the installed technology. There's numbers that come back. Um, We just signed up – as a matter of fact, we just signed up another vendor. We can use their name um, yesterday called Orb Intelligence. But if you look at a metric like employee count, we today, and depending on the company, may have five different sources for that one particular attribute. And so that's part of the magic of our platform. We're trying to figure out which of those data sources do we wait – to give one answer to the market, Because last thing you want is five fields for employee count in your Salesforce system. And so there, there's a number of rules and stuff that we'll use, fast-growing private company. Um, you probably want to underweight um, if you're using a company like d they're not very good at that. Um, public company, heavily weight toward SEC data and so forth. So by taking a, a multi-data approach, not only do we feel like we're getting more data points for what's really a sampling problem, But that's also, you go back to sort of the the whisper about dropping prices, that's also been one of the big drivers for why we've been able to pass lower prices on to our customers. You know, we can go to when you have five data vendors for one data point, you know, this sort of changes that sort of negotiation leverage that we have as a vendor. We've been able to get, frankly, better deals from our data vendors. And we've been passing that along to our customers in a way that we think is very competitive in the market.
0: Awesome. I want to go back to the platform, some some questions that I have for you. So you mentioned the term data orchestration platform, and you are the second Martech Monday uh, episode that I've had where we talk about those three words. And in fact, on the last program, I announced that I was clever enough to go register the domain data orchestration platform. I have no oh, plans. Jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I have no plans for what I'm going to do with it someday, but I just know that... That's a term or a phrase, I guess I should say, that every marketer at some point is going to talk about in the hallways about, you know, what they're doing, data orchestration, or we need a data orchestration platform. Kind of like how I got DemandGen back in 2002, I think it was, because I thought, you know, we're we're calling our sales and marketing meeting the DemandGen meeting. I wonder, I think people will use this term. And so I, I grabbed that domain and Lo and behold, one day it was the name of our company. Not planning on spinning up a data orchestration platform company. However, we have been doing a lot for our clients around data hygiene, around data insights, and using tools for getting that pristine, deduped, normalized, very accurate and and, um, precision-based databases because it makes you a better marketer. I'm curious as you guys go out because I want to know, like, why doesn't everybody have some type whether it's you guys or the other tools that are out there why doesn't everybody have a data orchestration platform that's one question and then i want to ask like who do you sell to like who's the buyer or slash user of you know reach force type platform i'm curious on those two areas like why doesn't everybody do it and then who is the one that's responsible that you see most often
1: yeah, the, the first question is sort of easy. And David, you know my background. So I came from sort of core IT infrastructures. I was nine years at Red Hat and number of executive roles. And then most recently, before ReachForce, ran sales. Uh, global sales at a database company MariaDB which was sort of the, the follow-on to mySQL after it was acquired by Oracle So understanding sort of under the covers you know these matching engines and lambdas and Kinesis and Kafka and redshift and Aurora and machine learning this is really I have to admit more my expertise than being a marketer and and certainly the year last year has been very, enlightening and intellectually challenging in terms of it's a complex job that marketers have and trying to get up to speed on that but when it comes to sort of orchestrating data why there aren't more platforms out there is it's it's a hard problem, right? And to do this traditionally, you've had to rely on sort of multi-million dollar, multi-year implementation solutions from vendors like Oracle, Informatica, you know, bringing in a Deloitte or Accenture to assisting with it. And these end up, you know, if you think about a subset of MDM or specifically around data orchestration for sales and market automation, it was still complex, expensive, time-consuming, and likely to fail thing to do. I think why that's changing now is that basically the availability of very rich development tools on platforms like Google, Azure, we use AWS ourselves, Amazon's cloud services ourselves. And it, it takes, you know, a lot of the sort of nuts and bolts work that traditionally when building these type of solutions, um, a lot of that gets abstracted away when you're using a platform like AWS, but it's still, you're mixing a lot of things and it's still complex. And I think that complexity, has been sort of the historic challenge for a marketing organization that, you know, doesn't have a focus on technology or even the developers at that same company who may not understand marketing, how you want to orchestrate that. I think that's been the historic challenge, and I think that's changing with these rich web development platforms, and companies like ourselves are able to harness and make this complex IT infrastructure easy to use for this use case.
0: All right. Give me, give me the answer to question number two, who, because um, I have an opinion there and I'm seeing, I'm starting to see some changes happen out there in roles and responsibilities, but who primarily um, are you guys either selling to or the, or the user? Um, I'm kind of more interested in the user of a platform like ReachForce.
1: Yeah, I think historically it's been the marketing operations and the sales operation folks right because they had you know the sort of the hey my data is clean people complain about leads this is these were typically viewed as operating problems and reach force historically is sold into these operation types of roles um, I think of this last year and particularly as we start making the use of the technology simple to comprehend demonstrate and actually on board we're seeing um, can, ourselves can higher up in the organization from sort of the individual contributor at the man-gen level into, you know, the VP or the SVP who has sort of macro responsibility for how they're feeding the top of the funnel and nurturing those leads and contacts through that funnel. And, and I think as this becomes more strategic, as people realize that there are, you know, this isn't the way it has to be and there's nothing I can do about it. As people realize that there are things they can do to gather b- better insight and not be indifferent. You know, we're actually having more conversations with CMOs. And, and, th- and that feels goes a vendor to see ourselves rising to that level's strategic significance within an organization.
0: Yeah. I, so what I'm seeing is uh, the rise of the data operations role, data operations manager, data operations specialist, um, and I think we're going to see that on the org chart more permanently in the years to come, hopefully not Agreed. too long, right? Um, I wrote a blog post a long time ago. I think I've mentioned it before, The Rise of the Data Scientist. And that's that's a different role. I mean, you know, what I'm talking about in terms of data operations is the person who's really the steward of the database, who is helping to make insights from it a bit but also just responsible for the quality of it, the hygiene of it, the segmentation, and you know, supporting marketing. And we have been doing this uh, for our clients as an extension of their team and helping them with data operations. And we have data scientists on our team, and we have lots of different data services that we provide. And we are seeing more and more with our larger clients that they are that are putting someone on the team. Um, you know, in that role for us to work with and taking some of that responsibility on a regular, uh, recurring basis that they need, and either outsourcing it to a f- folks like us or or staffing it up. So I'm seeing that the rise of that role. Um, it's interesting to see some of the candidates uh, or where they come from. You know, they've got um, backgrounds in data science. Uh, one person I'm familiar with, she's actually got a master's uh, in analytics from Northwestern and then she, um, has kind of grown up at the company that she's at starting as an intern and then, you know, growing into a role where she is their data scientist. That's the role that she has, but we're seeing more, um, growth too in the, in the data operations, uh, you know, title.
1: David, let me just say, I absolutely agree with that. And, And that's really what it takes to be a smart marketer today, right? It's so much more beyond, you know, trade shows and brand. It's really this this deep analytic under, analytical understanding of the customers that makes an organization hum along and really perform at its best. And, and I also want to compliment your firm for helping bridge a gap between you know we we're, we're a SaaS platform. It's sort of a foundational technology and, and our platform is quite extensible, right? We our biggest customers are Dow Jones, Amex, GE, NetApp companies like this, but we also serve dozens of small companies um, that may in some cases only have a, a couple dozen employees that want to be smart, efficient going to market. With a product with that sort of extensibility, um, there's no way we'd be successful without demand gen out there, sort of filling in those gaps and really having that deep customer level understanding, and then helping tune and configure our platform to the very specific needs of customers.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, you know, the, the six pillars, we have six pillars for all of our services. One is data. And, the, you know, it's very uh, – I wouldn't say it's easy. My team would kill me for that. It's um, relatively simple, For us to identify new services that we have to deliver to our clients by just tracking the complexity of marketing these days and another quadrant, which being uh, the type of resources that you need. So as we have seen, for example, you know, marketing automation expanded to CRM expanded to MarTech uh... it was very logical for us just as you guys have to help clients with different marketing automation systems and so we expanded uh... into the various different ma systems and the crms and then as Martech came around we said okay we can help with the implementation and adoption of these tools But that also led to building out our consulting practice and then eventually, you know, growing our analytics and data practice. Because like you said, you know, your large companies, well, they may start off with folks in these roles. But even some of those folks don't have the experience uh, that we have, you know, working with four, our resume looks like we've worked at 400 different companies. Right. So we have Mm -hmm. that. But lots of different challenges and helping them solve them because we've done it for someone else. Um, And that's why I like to feature on these MarTech Mondays. I like to feature different tools that solve these problems because... Frankly, I get frustrated that that at these conferences like everything 's hidden behind a case study, and you don 't really get to talk about what the tool does and how it helps you or what it doesn 't do so again, I appreciate you coming on the program and and sharing um, some of that how can um, Dion if you mentioned before that you guys have a free trial, I want to make sure I heard that correctly like how can people check out your tool and what things um, do you, do you provide as you know I'm a big fan of pilot before you buy um, get get yeah. your, get your hands dirty and check things out to make sure it's a good fit And for everybody listening by the way, I hope you enjoy this format. I look forward to your feedback. like I said I'm I'm kind of frustrated with how hidden everything is these days at conferences and I know that everybody is busy and doesn't have time to check out new technology as we do on such a regular basis. So I bring these episodes to you to discover stuff, but I also want to make sure that the stuff that I bring to you, you understand that no one's paying to be on the program, and that I encourage you, if, if it makes sense, to go check it out uh, and work with uh, you know, the folks at Reach Force if, if it's a tool that you're interested in. But how can they check it out, Dion, without committing their budget um, to you guys?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I invite everyone to go to reachforce.com. It's uh, R-E-A-C-H-F-O-R-C-E.com. com. if you scroll a little bit down the homepage, you'll see a get started. And it's uh, a few clicks and you can sign yourself up for a trial and we can go from there.
0: I bet when they sign up, you enrich that form with additional information. Yeah,
1: they'll (laughs) uh, they'll get to see uh, smart forms right off the bat. And one thing I'd add, you you mentioned the uh, sort of the interface with the pop-up on company name. It's not that just where a pending company name and sort of making a guess around all that goes to it. When you provide a, a choice, um, people are – and someone clicks a choice, you are so much more confident exactly who that individual is, who their company is, and all the attributes, the hierarchy of the organization, who rolls up to who, how big installed technology. And so having that user select on that form is, uh, is a, a key attribute, and hopefully people have a chance to experience that when they go to reachforce.com.
0: Yeah, I know you guys append a lot. I don't know the exact number, but I think it's like 70, 80 fields. And so some of the work that we do, as you know, for your clients that are implementing, help them think through which fields they want to add to the database, because not everything matters. And we help uh, walk them through that process of, of identifying which fields should go into the MA system and then update their syncs to the CRM. So you know, if particular piece of information need to move over to the CRM as well. Well, go check it out. Dion, thank you. When you talked about your background, I thought you were gonna say that your time as a submarine commander led directly to you <laughs> being the CEO of ReachForce. But um, what I do think about when you were saying that is, you know, the skills that you need today in marketing, right? One person certainly can't do it all, but even you know, six to a dozen people can't do it all. When you've got all the right brain marketers that need to come up with very creative programs to drive engagement and demand, that is a skill set right? And I'm sure you had that on the submarines, right? You had people that were responsible for different parts of commanding the ship and leading the ship. And the same is true in, in marketing today. We've got the very technical systems people, data people, and we've got the strategists. And even more is kind of where we started. Marketing's got to orchestrate that customer experience across service, product, sales, and marketing. And so it's a big job. It's a very, very difficult job. And it's, it's great that there's a lot of tools out there to help it, but in some way, there's there's too many tools today.
1: Well, David, thank you. You yeah. are the uh, the first person to draw a connection between my submarine experience and marketing. So well done.
0: There you it's, go. Uh,
1: uh, thank you for having ReachForce on here today. It's a, it's a pleasure working with your firm a pleasure working with you personally. And very much appreciate your time today.
0: Well, thank you, Dion, and thanks everybody for joining the program. Do give me your feedback. I'm going to keep featuring technology. On Mondays, uh, well, it depends when you listen to it, but that's when the, the programs will get released. And if there's a particular technology or category that you would like me to have on the program, uh, let me know. My my uh, Kind of my goal is to be the Walt Mossberg of Martech. And if you don't know who Walt is, when I was growing up in my career, he wrote for the Wall Street Journal. And he would cover technolo- the technology column and really highlight the new software that was coming out from Microsoft and Apple and other companies. And I always read that column every single week and valued what Walt was introducing me to. Uh, and I hope to do that here for you on the program. So thanks. And that's going to do it. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Demand Gen Radio. Keep on subscribing and keep on letting people know the program. Uh, much appreciate it. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high performance marketing.